He didn't. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> sit down with him and say, "Let me teach you about wheat," and now let me teach you about chaff. He took concepts they already knew that were contemporary in their language. Right. People say to me all the time. I mean, all the time. Colin, I can't do discipleship. I don't have time to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going. Do you have time to go to Walmart? Do you have mm-hmm. time? Do you have time to get in your car and drive? Right. It's the like you said. I call it as you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I hyphenate all those words together. I'm, right. I'm doing an as-you-go plan. Sure. This is, it's conversational. Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Rescuing Churches, the official podcast of 614 Ministries. Uh, We desire to rescue and encourage and help churches, and uh, we are excited about this past year. 2022 has been a great year for us. We've collected up a handful of new churches to serve and help. Um, We're always looking for ways to help and encourage and bless churches, coach them, um, evaluate them, come alongside and build them up. Um, one of my best friends is a guy named Colin Campbell. And I'm excited today that he's going to be on our podcast. Uh, we are meeting by Zoom because he lives in Tennessee and I don't. Um, roll Tide. And um, so, um, but uh, Colin and I go way back, a longtime friendship, uh, further back than mo- that I can even remember as an old person. Um, but I want to welcome Colin and, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. So Colin, welcome to 614's podcast, Rescuing Churches. And you've been a help to us and a support for our system for a long time, our ministry for a long time. So grateful for that and welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you having me on here. I, you're, you have been such a significant role in not only in my life, but I guess you knew my wife and her family even before I did. I think so. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah th- thanks for <laughs> Thanks for helping me get all that off the ground. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I don't want Julie to think I had any part in that. So, <laughs> so that wasn't my fault. Um, yeah, I'm just thankful you didn't sabotage it in any way. There that's was true. That's true. Who were trying. Uh, but true. anyway, anyway. Yeah, she was in the college ministry I had years and years ago back in Birmingham. Um, and, and all of us are part of the old Southeastern Bible College for some of you guys that listen and know all that. So, but grateful to have you. And Colin is a discipleship coach and a director of development. Did I get that right? That's right. That's um, right. At Pleasant View Christian School in Pleasant View, Tennessee, which is near Nashville. And he's also an assistant pastor at Pardue Memorial Church in Clarksville, uh, not far from there as well. So um, he, he carries multiple roles and multiple hats. The connection he and I have had for the last uh 
15 years or so is Camp Eunice in Roberta, Georgia. Booming camp there. You guys, everybody knows it's a very famous camp. It's so big and famous. <laughs> um, the zip code is E-I-E-I-O. If you <laughs> and uh, it's a wonderful place. But we get there. We get there. We get to fellowship there a lot when we're there together. And our connection is discipleship. I That's- love I'm called to disciple men. It's one of my highest callings, and it should be yours if you're a pastor listening to this. Um, you guys know if I come visit you, I'm going to ask you at some point, who are you discipling? And if the answer is nobody, we got a problem. So because the core of the church is built for discipleship and uh, Colin loves discipling. He's all the time doing it. He's got very creative in it in the last few years. So some of the stuff that we've talked about, I've really enjoyed learning how he does that. I'm actually going to practice some of that this weekend myself with a friend that's out of town. We're going to Zoom disciple and um, try to work on some of that. So pretty excited about that. But I do want to get into some of this. And and uh, Pastor Colin, one of the things that has been a challenge to me is this the younger generation, I don't think they understand discipleship in in terms that I believe are more biblical, uh, the concept itself. And then also um, believe there's an older generation like myself that's too busy, too tired, too worn out. The 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 job description of pastor has so many hats to it um, that it, it discipleship gets pushed to the background because all the foreground stuff, getting the sermon ready and having the music ready and making sure somebody's covering nursery and Sunday school, all that gets to the top. Um, and so my meeting with this guy had to get pushed off this week. Um, and I just want you to challenge some of that. I want you to tell me, give me some of your values. Tell me also just define discipleship as you understand it and uh, how you practice it. And then we'll dive in because you and I are going to dialogue this and have a lot of fun. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I, as you were just sitting there talking, it, it called back to my mind so so many different conversations I've had over the past year, three years, even five years, because the word discipleship is thrown around a lot in a lot of different contexts. One of, one of the things I lead with when I'm talking to to people I haven't I haven't met yet is that I I'll share with them that I have a passion for discipleship, and they'll they'll get on board real quickly. And, and but my my first stop before we get anywhere else is what do you think I mean when I say I'm passionate about discipleship and what, what in the world do you mean when you use the word discipleship and mm, in that good. conversation, we'll uncover a lot of what, where, where do we go next? And and what are we going to talk about? Just recently I was at a basketball game. We were outside of the gymnasium in the hallway and I just met, I met a, a, a couple for the first time. I've, I've only been at Pleasant View Christian School now for a couple of months, loving the culture here, loving the people here, and, and just kind of meeting everybody all at the same time, which for a guy with my personality is very exciting. I'm, I'm a right. thrill-seeking. I, I love, I, I, I feel like a kid in a candy store. I'm pinch me, pinch me, please, because I've got to be dreaming. Right. And as, as I walk Walked through the halls. I, I saw this couple. I reached out to them, started talking to them, and we started talking discipleship. They they let me talk for more than 12 seconds. So the conversation's gonna go to one of about three different topics. And my favorite is at this point, discipleship. And they mm-hmm. they they seem to light up. And I mentioned my favorite Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2 2. Take the things you've seen and heard of me. Um, teach them to faithful ones who will teach others also. And I was right. just talking about how I don't 
I don't really count success in the area of spiritual growth and development. Spiritual growth, spiritual development, it's it's going to happen for, for anybody who's... Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. That That's really what I'm getting at. And, and so because of that, there's always going to be some who grow spiritually. But but if we're intentional and if we if we're intentional and we ourselves are walking in the Holy Spirit, I think there's a whole lot more work that we can accomplish uh to the glory of God, but also to the thrill of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like he gets the credit, but we get to participate. Right. And that's a that's a thrill that sometimes as as Christians we we don't really celebrate in because we we're trying we're doing a good thing by trying to avoid pride, but but I think he really wants us to revel in the work that he's called us to do. And as I'm as I'm talking through this, I can tell by the looks on their faces, their glances at each other. They're trying to jump into the conversation. But as you can tell, I'm pretty good at wrestling <laughs> away from them. Right. But when they when they do get to, I said, it's obvious that you guys are pro discipleship. Talk, talk to me about that. And, and she just I mean. She was like a, a jet plane ready to take off. His personality, you know, like a lot of husband-wife teams, he was he was very emphatic, but it looked differently, you right. know, on him. But she she said something I've said before. So of course I agree with her, but but it's the it's the, she's when I when I talk to people about discipleship, they'll say, Oh yeah, I'm in a D group. And she'll follow up with, mm-hmm. so so what does that mean? And they'll start talking and she'll realize they're really not in a discipleship group. They're in a fellowship group. Right. And, and a fellowship group isn't isn't bad in and of itself because, you know, fellowship is sharing the common ground you have in Jesus Christ to the mutual benefit of the body. Yeah. So, Church, so, go so ahead. Let's, let's just don't lose your thought there, <clears throat> but let's just throw that throw this in there. Um, the, the Baptist created this little phrase, D group. And it's all over down here in the South where I am. Um, people all the time, I'm in a D group. And then, and sometimes it means they're being discipled. But just like you said, sometimes it means they found a place that has really good snacks right. for the Monday night football game. Um, we're going to watch football together. And then somebody's going to read a Bible verse. Sometimes it means they're just in a Bible study, right? Right. I mean, you found that to be true. Some of these D groups, as they're calling them now, are literally just Bible studies, but there's not an actual discipleship happening. Right. So let's get down to the roots of what discipleship should entail and include, because I agree with you. I'm, I'm excited. You know, you met this couple, great D group thing happening, but is she really in a discipleship group? Well, she's saying that as she meets people, she finds the, the ones she's talking to are not being discipled. Right. They're and and they're involved in they're involved in a relationship where there's mutual edification going on. They're encouraging and building up each other with their common ground in Christ. Uh, but but they're not really they're not really getting discipled. And mm-hmm. I I have found, and I, com- I compare regularly. The word discipleship is so broad in our in our culture. It's like yesterday's socks that are stretched out and won't stay up on mm-hmm. on your leg. Right. You, know, you just keep falling down, bunching right. up. So, so yeah, this discipleship. I think I 
I think as I, as I wrestle through a definition of discipleship, I always start with what it's not, but has been thought to be. Mm. It's not fellowship, and even fellowship isn't what people think. You, you mentioned the word fellowship. People throw out food every time, and, and usually, <laughs> right. usually food is involved, and it's a good thing to have food involved. Right. Right. But to really understand fellowship, I mean, if if, if Christ is in the center of the big picture experience, then all you have is a, a an AA meeting for, right. or a Moose Lodge meeting, sure. or you're, you're, you're having connection, mm-hmm. but you're not really having fellowship. And I, I think we would do well to have fellowship is what I'm saying, is to really right. experience what fellowship is, to be discipled and what is fellowship. But, but it, I, I digress. Getting back to what it's not, it's also not a program. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti-programs. Programs have their role. They have their place. Absolutely. Coming into this school, one of the things we talked about was how, how can I take my passion for discipleship and, and just kind of and momentum push forward the effort that the school already has. One of the mm-hmm. things that attracted me to this school is that our focus is that we're launching leaders with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that through discipleship practices. The number one word in our name is not pleasant view or school. It's not where we are, and it's not the academic rigor that we already have. Will, mm-hmm. will they be prepped for college? Sure, if they're going to college. Mm-hmm. But some of our students have been blessed with a purpose given to them by God that doesn't require a college education. Right. So we're not going to make college prep our focus. We are going to make discipleship our focus. We're going to start with a large program that's in place that's generic and for everybody, mm-hmm. which creates a pond to fish from. As mm-hmm. I'm, say, speaking in chapel, which we have chapel once a week. And as I'm speaking in chapel, I'm looking for people. I, I'm doing two things. I, I'm saying, God, what are you doing in this room? Is there evidence that the Holy Spirit is connecting with one of my students and it's all over their face? Right. And then I'm also asking, is the Holy Spirit moving on me to notice a person who doesn't look like they're being worked on, but there's still there, there's something about that student that I'm going, there there seems to be something happening here with me toward them. Mm-hmm. Then we just start kind of praying and thinking our way through. Uh, once a week, we have these advisory groups, which I thought were going to be called D groups, but they're called advisory. Right. Right. And the idea is, is that they're broader than than. They're broader than biblical. It, 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 they don't all have to be biblically founded. We're mm-hmm. looking at life skills, life sure. advice. The funny thing is we all anchor it back to the text, but right. we also say very clearly, this is a life skill that's appropriate no matter what worldview you have. Right. and even But even discipleship, Biblical discipleship really goes back to that Deuteronomy passage where in the highways and byways, we walk and talk out our faith together. I would say some of the more successful men that I've discipled over the years, not because I'm successful at anything, but it's because I drug them along to everything I was doing. They had to come to my kids' soccer games. Um, And then we went to the grocery store on the way home with me and picked up groceries. And in the highway and byway, I had these conversations that were related to what they were living out. And they were asking me questions about what I was living out in my life. And exactly. And that's 
to me, that's the discipleship. So, so this group meeting you're talking about has that same element. It doesn't have to be just scripture, right? It's not well, just a Bible study. It's yeah. actually applying the biblical worldview to your whole life, which is exactly what Christ did with his disciples everywhere he took them. He did, yeah, he didn't <laughs> sit down with them and say, let me teach you about wheat, and now let me teach you about chaff. He took concepts they already knew that were contemporary in their language. Right. People say to me all the time, I mean, all the time, Colin, I can't do discipleship. I don't have time to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going, do you have time to go to Walmart? Do you have mm-hmm. time? Do you have time to get in your car and drive? Right. It's the, like you said, I call it as you go. Mm-hmm. I, I hyphenate all those words together. I'm, right. I'm doing an as you go plan. Sure. This is, it's conversational. It's, I love, love. So, getting getting back to that idea of what is what is not decide it's not a program mm-hmm. now we we can call it a discipleship program in the broad sense of the word but its function is to give us opportunities to see who who might be ready to 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 be developed in their faith walk right. in their faith journey and very much similar to a personal trainer at the gym that's really a lot of what i do i say mm-hmm. hey Spiritually, get on this machine and do 30 reps, uh, get on this machine, do 20 reps. And we all know, well, I say we all know, it seems to me like who wouldn't know that that the human condition, for some reason, seems to, we seem to do better when somebody's there walking us through the process right. versus right. having to shoulder in, go to the gym on our own, figure out that machine for the first time on our own. But when you've got a friend there that's going, hey, look, I'm going to jump on this machine with you because I haven't worked out yet today. Now it's your turn. And I remember the first time I weightlifted, I weightlifted with a guy who could bench press 325. Mm. And I had to put all of his weights on for him and take all of his weights off. That was my workout. I mean, that literally, right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Just and, getting your bar and, ready. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And then I would take all of them off and then I would do the bar. Like I would bench press the bar. <laughs> right, right. And then I would sore for three days. But uh-huh. But in all of that, it, it, and that's what people are asking. They're going, I want to read the Bible, but how many times, how many times have we all sat down with a, a good heart, started in Genesis, we fizzle out long before chapter 40. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we go, I, I, or, or sometimes maybe we make it through the Pentateuch. Maybe, maybe we get all the way to first Samuel, but. Oh, and numbers. But, Ooh, but, I can't wait but, to get yeah, the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You feel shame. You feel oh, yeah. guilt. Feel like I am such a puny uh, uh, believer, and, and my job is just to get in and say, "Hey, listen, we're here. We're talking. We, we've already been successful. Like yeah. we've we've already done the the hardest part of all of this." And and as as we get into it, uh, the the fun part as well is that, like you said, it gets to be interactive. It gets to be customized. So I when when people ask about discipleship, I say. Words that come to mind are relationship centric and one on one or at least small group. It can't really be that this is not something that we're going to put on Shark Tank and scale it. Right. Right. Last time I checked, Jesus didn't stop by Randall House. He didn't stop by Lifeway. He didn't grab. And I'm not against those books and packets. We use them and they're, you know, the graphics are great and you're writing stuff down and it, they're they're tools. That's what they are. They're tools. Mm-hmm. They're not disciplers. Right. We, that's what we're called to do. And you go, well, I don't feel adequate to do it. I'm like, good. Then we can check that off. Yeah. That that's a requirement. The person who goes, hey, 
I'm, I'm your guy. Give me, give me your most impressionable Christians. I'll take care of them. Yeah. Uh, stay away. Yeah, danger. Usually, not in every case, but usually, stay far, far <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The shepherd in me comes out. And I'm like, I'm like Kung Fu Panda. I look like him. <laughs> I move like him. I, right. I, I'm fighting. I don't know what I'm doing, but somehow I ended up winning. I don't. Know. <laughs> right, right. Well, if if we go back to just the if you just read the one another's that are commands for us in the new Testament, it's all about our interactive fellowship and encouraging one another, building up one another, um, even in the greeting, greeting one another. But then you go to the reprove, rebuke and exhort. Um, you know, we, we are to call each other to that higher examine level and it's meant to be done in, I, and you use the word because I know it's a big part of your heart, but you use the word customize. It's meant to be done at a custom level. <laughs> so, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and every every person I've discipled over the years, um, there's a there's a different way you disciple one guy versus another guy. There's That's not absolutely a, right. Not a way to do it. Uh, you know, just there's like not a, there's not a plug and play turnkey. Plug and play turnkey. There you go. This right. is not. And which is what we all want because it that promises us ease. Oh, it yeah. promises us safety and security. One of the biggest fears that I hear back from the guys I work with is I, I, I don't think I can disciple anybody else because what if they ask a question and I don't know the answer? Right. No, not what if. They will. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to scare you, but they're like, go ahead and get that in your head right away. Well, can we just clarify that discipleship is not a one-way trip? That's right. I'm not here to disciple you and give you everything I have and get nothing back. That's right. That'd be a terrible plan. That's I'm right. actually going to learn from you and your very hard questions that I wish you wouldn't have asked me are going to push me to learn more. That's right. And challenge me to think outside my own box. That's right. Yeah. So discipleship really is a two-way street. But, Every but, time. Even, but even then, it's not like it's not like this guy that I'm working like right now. I'm thinking about one of the guys I'm working with one on one. And he goes, what, what do I do? I said, well, first of all, you're going to pray while he's talking. Mm-hmm. You're going to pray mm-hmm. and you're, you're going to say these words. Let's see. Can, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm being funny, of course, when I say this, I'm, I've got the relationship credit. I'm not really belittling him, but I'll say, can you say the words? Tell me more. Right. right. He's like, yeah. I said, that's what you tell him. How many times have you heard me say, tell me more about that? Right. Now, every time I say it, I'm not sitting there going, oh, no, what am I going to (laughs) say? But how many times have you asked me a question and I pick up my water bottle and I go. Mm -hmm. Now, I've hardly taken any water in my mouth, but it Mm -hmm. but it gave me just a couple of seconds to say what I think is one of the most theologically rich passages in the new Testament on prayer. And it's when Peter's walking on the water. Yeah. And he's what kind of faith does that take? Right. To to creatively brainstorm. Here's an idea. You're walking on water. I'm going to be walking on water. Let me walk. You tell me to come. I'm going to walk on water. Hey guys, guess what? I'm walking on water. You're what? You're Peter. Leave us alone. You know, (laughs) Look, he's walking on water. Right. Right. Then all of a sudden he takes his eyes off. He starts to sink. And what does he pray? Mm -hmm. Lord, help. That's all he prays. Yeah. Yeah. Probably one of the most 
theologically deep prayers I could ever think of. Yeah. I, I will sit there in the chair and go, thou who made the heavens and the earth will. And not that I'm making fun of that as a bad thing. There's a right, time right, place right. for that kind of prayer. Very formal. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. But in that moment, I'm going, Lord, I need your help. Yeah. Help. And there are times he brings verses to my mind. And some of them, the ones I was reading yesterday, today, or two days ago, that are relevant to this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm going, so you had me read that in my quiet time or my time together with you so that it would be fresh on my mind for this. Now, psychologists would say what had happened there was he, uh, no, I'm telling you right now, the stuff that's going on is the funnest stuff to watch unfold. Yeah. Literally stories happening within 24 hours that I can reach back and go, well, let me tell you about this. But even if it doesn't happen right there in the moment, I told him, you've got me. The reason I want you to start discipling others while I'm discipling you is we're already meeting together once a week. Mm -hmm. So when Junior asks you about the hypostatic union of Christ and you go, so when Junior asks you about the hypostatic union of Christ and, and you go, I think that's when my wife is doing the laundry and the socks stick to the sweatshirt. Like they <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, first they of all, cling, they make clean free sheets for that, don't they? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's found in third Samuel somewhere. About the <laughs> right. clean free. But, but you're going to say, you know what? I, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I, I don't have a clue. That's, that's a great question. I'm writing it down. Now you're going to have to be faithful to follow up, right? Cause you, sure. you forget a couple of those he's going to notice, but, but you've got resources. So it's not just it's not just that you've got to crack open the books or know where to look and how to find it. You're, you're not on your own here. You're mm -hmm. in community right now. Yeah. And that's what Christ wants is community. Well, and and I mean, I'm much older than all of y'all. <laughs> so, you know, I'm over 60, been doing this for, you know, almost 45 years now. And just last week, a guy I'm discipling asked me a question from the Old Testament that I had no idea what he was even talking about. Oh, and it was wow. just a, it was it wasn't a hypostatic union. It wasn't a big theological thing he had read. It's just a passage. He's right. just like, hey, this guy did this and then this happened and this happened. What is that? And I went, uh, yeah, let me uh, where was that found? <laughs> well, so can you text me that reference and I'll look it up for you? You know, I'm going to go dig in the commentaries and you know, do a study on it with him, but it totally caught me off guard and right. I, I'm good with that. You know, I like getting to learn new stuff. So absolutely. But, but that's part of the journey of discipling and, you know, for you guys, for our pastors that are listening and our lay leaders that are listening, um, discipleship is not, it, it, it's not some big formalized thing. I call it informal discipleship more than formal. Most of the time. Now I have guys that I say, Hey, we're going to meet every Tuesday night at this time or every whatever, and I'm going to push you through some stuff because I see God working in your life and I know you need the harder push. But a lot of it is, you know, highways and byways. Let's get together for this and, you know, let's let's go to the coffee shop and I'm going to check on you, see how you're doing. Then I'm going to ask you about some scripture you were supposed to memorize or thinking about. And we're going to informally build one another up and God's going to trigger in me some stuff. So all that being said, um, I don't carry a curriculum around with me um, to plop in front of them, um, but I do have ownership of some passages. And I want you to talk about that because you and I both have a real similar, don't, please don't show your chart. And 
we're audio only here, so praise God for y'all. Bless y'all. You would not get to see this massive weird chart that Colin has. Your audience would be blessed. Be <laughs> blessed by the... I'm working on a 3D model with Ross <laughs> and This thing is beautiful. Yeah. So... Yeah. So really when, when the Lord settles, when the Lord settles him down in his current ministry, he just got to this, uh, the, this ministry he's serving now. So he needs to get a little traction there and, and serve them. But at some point we're going to put him back on the road, traveling and helping train in discipleship. He's done that down here in Mobile. And we had a great time with him at several different ministry venues. So and that's where I got to see this wonderful chart that completely blew my mind and boggled my mind. Um, but it's the same concept as I have in that um, I have ownership of some passages. Right. So, so talk about that. You don't, you don't well, necessarily yeah. have them read through a book with you, a book of the Bible or a physical book. Let's read David Jeremiah's book on grace or, you know, let's read John MacArthur's whatever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the things that I, I I I try to find common language that the two of us can start to use uh, w- within our discipleship relationship, and one of the helpful tools I use there that's right along with what you're asking is, and this was as I was walking out my faith and having a conversation with a, uh, I was sitting here going, who was that that taught me? There was a mentor I was hanging out with. Who was that disciple? Oh, Pastor Stan at Camp Eunice. Uh, <laughs> we sit down. You know, we're asking we're asking God to do what God had been doing for decades, mm-hmm. showing up in a special way. And it, it's amazing because this camp is. Uh, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I just want to accurately say that this camp is the kind of place that every visitor I've I've brought with me. I, I warned them ahead of time. You're, you do, yeah. When we drive on. It's it's not going to be impressive. You're not going to be like, oh my, this is amazing. I can see why we just drove six hours, <laughs> and that's just Atlanta traffic. Yeah. Uh, but but in in that, every time we go, it is obvious and evident to anybody who has any kind of spiritual pulse that the Holy Spirit is there, and not because He's omnipresent. Of course, He's everywhere with that one, mm-hmm. but but He's there in a special way. He's there in a way that is, and it's not just because the phones are off. Well, it doesn't matter. The phones can be on. There's no tower. Right, right. Your phones don't work at all. I mean, we might as well be on the red spot in Jupiter when it comes to <laughs> right. towers. But and there's but, almost Wi-Fi there most years. Almost. Yeah. You can and, almost get a little Wi-Fi. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit blesses us in spite of all of the challenges in technology, mm-hmm. all of the challenges mm-hmm. in um, comfort, live <laughs> critters. Trying comfort. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to push back against our dominion over them. You know, they're <laughs> and there's a wrestling going on with sure, that. Sure. Um, but but in all of that, you you said you you and, and you for you, I think it was just a comment that you you make. Mm. Uh you you said in prayer, Lord, interrupt us with your plan. Mm. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody pray in my life. I'm my personality is very driven. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a performer. I want to I want to make sure that I'm a high performance vessel for the Lord. Uh, I read passages like I'm a cracked pot, and I go, okay, though though I'm glad that's there because uh, my shortcomings now have a place to land, mm-hmm. and there are plenty of those. But I'm always driving myself. How can I be better? How can I learn more? How how, how can I do everything I can to leave it on the field for the Lord? And all of a sudden, you introduce this concept of his will 
his plan interrupting our plan. Well, I've been praying and, and seeking the Lord in this plan that I have. So it must be plan A. <laughs> right. My plan. Yeah, my plan is plan A and 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 then plan B is a backup plan. So right. I thought, you know, of course we've gotten down, we joke about plan Q, R, yeah, S, and T. Sure. We get in the double letters and mm-hmm. but but in that, from that I develop language that I use very regularly now. I, I think it is wise to develop plan B. God, will you interrupt us with your plan, which is plan A? But but it, there are times I pray and I say, Lord, what, what would you have me teach today? And I and I don't sense that there's anything, you know, there, there's no like burning need or question. Well, from there, I don't want to just shoot from the hip. Right. I always have a, a always try. I should say it that way. It, it's always my intention to have a plan B developed, which is why I also have in my hip pocket a plan C, which are these familiar texts that you're talking about. Right. They're, they're, they're passages that I have found to be very useful in the practical day-to-day living as a New Testament believer. Some of those passages are in the Old Testament. Some yeah. of those passages are in the New Testament. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a New Testament only kind of kind of discipler. That's weird to me. We have the Bible, it's a whole library of books and they're all beneficial. Mm-hmm. But they're not all useful in the day-to-day. I I've never memorized a genealogy but I'm very thankful right. that they're right. there because they serve a very specific purpose to authenticate. Preached the- on genealogy this past Sunday, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but I'm not knocking them. Like earlier, you 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 you, you joked about numbers, and yeah. then and then I read numbers recently, and I went, "There's some of my favorite stories are in the book of Numbers." Anybody who avoids numbers because of the census really needs to. Grow it. There's a growth point for yeah. you. Go read numbers because I, I should revisit that. Yeah, I love that. So, so in that, yes, there. Just yesterday, I sat down with a guy. We were doing one on one. I had Plan B ready, and then he he let me know last night. This is what happened in life. Mm-hmm. Life happened. I did not behave. I, I did not conduct myself in a manner. <laughs> worthy of the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm, Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Philippians 127, only conduct yourself in a manner sure. worthy of the gospel. And he says, I, I I don't I don't know what to do. And I and I'm looking at him, I'm going, well, tell me more. Like mm-hmm. unpack more of that story. And we spent 90 minutes. The the interesting part is I'm not a therapist. I'm not yeah. a psychologist. I I love to hear what we're learning in the science uh, and study of the human uh, psyche from people who many of which are not redeemed. Right. Like, do I keep it in its proper context? Many are. I yeah. love to study the study of the psyche from those who are redeemed and put it in a biblical worldview context. Right. But I don't offer therapy. And yet there are many times that what the Holy Spirit does in these discipleship meetings is very therapeutic. Absolutely. Both both of us. And and so in that, yes, I love to, and people will ask me, what passage should I use? And the worst thing I can do is give them book and chapter, because then all of a sudden it just became a program. These are books and chapters that I have found useful over the years, or that have been used with me that somebody else gave me their passion for that book of the Bible or for that chapter of Scripture. Right. So I remember like one one that I use now is Ephesians six, 
but I use it because one of my disciples walked me through the significance of Ephesians chapter six. Hmm. Uh, but I but I don't tell people you should go out and understand Ephesians six. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, use what you have found to be useful. The funny thing is, is as you and I've compared notes several times during that season of our life where God had you on in one corner of the planet and I was Moses out in my desert um, sitting on the bench waiting. Hey, coach, can I get back in? Right. We, we were we were finding like we used the same chapters of the same books. Exactly. A lot of times. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're they're practical. They're they're useful for the day to day. Right. And any of you guys that are pastors that are listening, if you've if you've studied through intensely, especially intensely studied through a book of the Bible, New Testament or Old Testament, um, you've got ownership of some of the principles there. And all of those principles can be brought into a discipleship, an informal discipleship discussion in time where because because it's passionate to you now, you've really invested in that book and God's saturated your heart and your life with that book. That's right. And now you can now invest that back into the people that you're discipling years later. It was years and years ago that I taught through Psalm 1, one of the passages you and I use continually. That's um, right. And Psalm 1 is just this, this beautiful, simple understanding of a man that makes the right decisions, has the right delights, and then ultimately is blessed and favored by God. And what that all means is very solid. It's milk and meat all at the same time. So you can use it for just about any situation. That's um, right. I'm curious with your uh, uh, Ephesians 6, um, what's the overview of that? Give me the give me the. Overview. Well, usually I'm getting into the the discussion of spiritual warfare. Right. Yeah, armor. Ephesians six. Yeah, because of the armor, Ephesians six is one of the uh I, I kind of call it the worm on the hook. You know, mm -hmm. it's the uh, people, it, it's the topic that people are very much interested in because for the most part. In, in a lot of church contexts, if you're finding a church that is more conservative in its in its in its just in its worldview, not biblical, just just in its worldview, they're conservative kind of people. They're they're not really they're not really looking to discuss that or do a series on it. Or sometimes you you study one and it's all about what does a first century Roman soldier look like, but you right. haven't really walked right. away yeah. with kind of what. What what does all of this mean? Sure. Me? Again, I keep coming back to the day to day. I, I have a rich heritage in a church that did an amazing job of equipping me with biblical knowledge, and then I I went from there into a Bible college that I mean strapped down into my brain biblical uh, mm -hmm. hermeneutics mm -hmm. and uh, preaching by exegesis and all these big terms that just mean say what the Bible says and then. <laughs> right, right. Do what the Bible tells you to do. Right. Quit, quit looking for some special hidden coded meaning that that only you will find, and and just walk with the Holy Spirit. Like let's make this simple. You know, let's just make it simple in the sense of understanding what it is we're to do. Because when mm -hmm. you start doing it, you realize that's where the challenges are. Right. Loving my enemy, blessing the one who persecuted me. Uh, I, I had opportunity the other day to be a blessing to a person who mocked me and I felt the full weight of the embarrassment when they mocked mm -hmm. me. Like, like there are people that like, 
like you and I mock each other. And it's kind of right. like, you know, even when it hurts, it's like, oh, that hurt. But, you know, Stan loves me. And we move on. And this person is very much, you know, just, man, it was a missile. Mm. And then I sensed, and I don't know, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it could be my creative brain at work. It could just be the Bible mm. that I've read, you know, but I, I sensed that the Holy Spirit was leading me to give an unopened bag of Hershey's chocolate. Oh my. To this person with a post-it note that just said, Hey, every some simple message, right? Like some blessing, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I couldn't use humor and I couldn't use sarcasm. I <laughs> right, right, blessing. right. And it, and that took some mental focus. I'm not going to lie. And then and then delivering that and and I went, this is really hard. Like this mm-hmm. is, it's really easy to teach it in a classroom. It's sure. really easy to talk about it one on one. But but man, when God calls you to do something like it, it's it's tough, right? So so in that. I, I got that, but what I didn't get in that heritage a lot of times, and maybe they were saying it and I didn't have ears to hear. So I'm not, this is by no means a an indictment on them. They they put up with me in some of the hardest years sure. of life to put up with me, but I never understood the so what. What 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 implication does this armor have in my day-to-day? Mm. So you ask for an overview, it, it looks a lot like this. We do walk through each piece of the armor, right. and then we look at the significant doctrines or teachings uh, that that are connected with that. I, you know, it's funny I use those big words because I'm trying to make them less bigger, right? Right. Saying elsewhere came out uh, somewhere in the early '80s, and all of a sudden everybody was throwing around medical terms like they were a surgeon, <laughs> right? Uh, and and I think that you know we we do that we we throw around uh, AFib like we're all like you know getting ready to go into surgery and we know what AFib is, mm-hmm. but but in the Christian world somehow uh, you, you can't say the big words because then you're a, a theologian. Well, I am a theologian. Right. I, I'm one who studies theology because I'm interested in who God is, like. Mm-hmm. I, I refer to myself as a scholar, not because right. I want to be seen as some high thing. I want people to understand scholars are just students. Yeah. Like if, if I can be a scholar, anybody can be a That's scholar. Right. That's right. Like, so, yeah, so, he says the C student over here. <laughs> well, I'm just, that's, that's what I'm saying. Price is picking fishermen and tax collectors. Yep. Like he's getting the truckers. Yeah. And he's grabbing lawyers. Yeah. They're in different socioeconomic groups, but but they're the underbelly. Yeah. Like he didn't pick one person that, that I can think of off the top of my head that everybody's like, oh, I see why you picked him. Yeah. So, Samaritan woman, Mary Magdalene, women, people filled with demons. I mean, that, that's his yeah. crew, man. Yeah. So we look at we look at each of those doctrines, you know, like uh how how Christ put his righteousness on me. So when the breastplate is on me. Mm-hmm. I can be bold in the throne room of God because when God looks at me, he doesn't see my feeble attempts, failed attempts, backward attempts, ill-motivated attempts at righteousness. He sees the completed work of Christ on the cross mm. on me. So you're, ta- you're taking the you're taking the armor yep. piece at a time, but making it very practical in day to day. Yeah, just when I'm just so when I'm praying. That's pure discipleship. I say, hey, let's talk about imputed righteousness. They're mm-hmm. going to be like, yawn, yawn, mm-hmm. right? Right. But later, he, he's going to talk about the flaming arts. Of, I said flaming arts. Flaming darts of the, <laughs> of the evil one, right? And right. He's, a, he's a master sure. hunter, right? Well, Christ's righteousness protects my affections, right. my, my liver, my kidneys, all these vital organs I have that he's aiming for. I've got Christ's righteousness interrupting that process. Mm. So when when the enemy does his work, and what is his work? Shame, 
condemnation, mm-hmm. guilt, right? That's all on the backside of temptation. But when he's coming and reminding me just what a scoundrel I was, and I was. Mm. I got Christ's righteousness on me, Jack. Mm. Everything you're saying is right, but I need to point you back to my, my breastplate here. Have I showed you my breastplate? This mm-hmm. is beautiful. He came and gave up all of his rights, all of his privileges. He put his power under control. And he walked this planet for over three decades. That's good. Then he hung, he allowed himself to be pierced for our transgressions, but he hung there by his own will. Mm. Right? Like, like at any moment, all he had to do was will it it all to stop, and it all would have stopped. So right. people talk about he could have called down angels. No, it didn't take that long. He just had to stop willing it to happen. Mm-hmm. The entire time he's driving the process that's taking his life, and then he has to give up his spirit. So good. And he did all that for Pastor Stan, and he did all that for Pastor Cole, and he did all that for everybody who's listening. That's right. That's and, right. and I'm there going, okay. So then when we get done with all those parts, we go back through and just to teach them a little Bible study methods in a stealth manner they don't even know. I say, what what word pops out of the page by repetition? Mm-hmm. And in chapter six, he mentions prayer. If, if he mentions it once, it's 42 times. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I've yet to be in a spiritual warfare class around the armor in Ephesians six that really highlighted mm. the function, not power. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. And somehow the power of God is revealed through prayer because he chooses right. to be done so. And not that I'm against that, by the way. Don't be don't be like me. I'm Barty Fife. Sometimes I try to take my bullet out of my right. shirt pocket and load right. my gun and be like, so if, if I'm at Cracker Barrel and there's a little sign that says, I believe in the power of prayer, I don't drop it on the ground, you know, break the ceramic, <laughs> whatever. On it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not like in the trash. Know. Yeah. We're, we're not doing a sign burning around here. I, I just, I try to I challenge people to think of God's power. And then the relationship of prayer is it's a conduit, like a straw that gets that goodness mm-hmm. of, of Coca-Cola into my belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, prayer somehow connects me to that power. And as I'm praying, I'm asking him to do the heavy lifting. Right. I'm asking him uh, to, to come in in this spiritual battle. We only, all, he can, only he can do that anyway. I cannot be successful if I'm fighting w- without him. Right, right. No and, no power of myself. And that opens up all kind of doors. James, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll yep. flee from you. Jude, I love this little comment that Jude just makes. You know, oh yeah, you remember when uh when they're arguing over the body of Moses, you know, the Michael the archangel, mm-hmm. here's how he does it, you know, and it's uh, in all of that we recognize that we are powerless over temptation because right. even the weakest demon, C.S. Right. Lewis's little, what was his name? Wormwood. Wormwood, yeah. Yeah, Uncle Screwtape and Nephew Worm. But uh, even a junior demon can can have, make mincemeat of me. Absolutely. But, 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 I'm not going to cower away from a fight. Mm-hmm. Recently, I was in the midst of what I recognized. This is spiritual warfare right now. Mm. And I remember saying out loud, I just, I said it out loud so I could hear my own voice say it. Is that, is that all you got? You you have to bring more than that. And immediately after I said that, because I'm not going around poking him in the eye, right? I'm not dumb. Yeah. But the challenge had come to me. 
And I just said, is that is that all you got? And so now some some brothers and sisters will argue with me, right? They'll say he was praying to Satan right there. No, I was no, not. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> no. And, and so I said, you're gonna have to bring more than that. And then right after that, I said, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. That's right. If you want a piece of this action, you first have to bind the strong man who lives in me. And, and and with the holy with the Holy Spirit at work and alive in me, there's nothing on this planet, created or not created, that can take him down. Yeah. Like I, I used to have a big brother. You know, he became a Marine. He's you know, he's still a Marine. And I, I always loved the fact that at any moment I could let whoever it was that was messing with me know, I got a brother. Do I need to get do I do I need to do I need to right. phone a brother? Right. Do I need to tag team? Right. He's a Marine. Right. And that, and now I'm going like, I, I could be picked on by a whole platoon of Marines. And I have a big brother and his name is Jesus. Do I need to tag team right here? He threw a legion of y'all into a bunch of pigs and you ran off a cliff. Right. With one sentence, he did it. Mm. He didn't flex a muscle. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't he didn't say I got to gear up for this. Right. Anyway. And he and he clothes us in his armor when we practice the principles of that passage. He clothes us in his armor. I want to say to our pastors that are listening, this might be a little discipleship moment for you, because some of you are taking hits and shots from the enemy. The uh, the darts of Satan are flying. And sometimes it's a church member, an elder, board member, family member uh, shooting darts from Satan accidentally uh, or on purpose. But either way, as pastors, um, you need to get your armor on. But then you need to have that same attitude um, that Pastor Colin's mentioned of, you know, is that all you got? Um, I, I, I sort of default back to the to the uh, Captain America thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I just love Captain America. Like I can love do this that. all day. You know, you can keep knocking me down. I'm just going to keep getting back up. And I really believe that's a biblical principle of perseverance. That's a part of good discipleship is there is no quit in us as, as disciples of Christ. There's no quit in us as pastors. We especially have to model that. Um, you know, you know, recently I took a pretty heavy blow from, a local ministry here that, that really crushed my spirit. Um, and my church had to observe me go through that. That's right. And what they had to see me do was go, Hey, I'm down, but I'm not out. I'm up. I'm on my feet. Here we go. Um, and, and we, we all have a responsibility, um, to, to, to clothe ourselves with that armor and maybe this was your discipleship moment today on our podcast. Maybe just listen to this. You got a little bit of discipleship in there from Ephesians 6. We're going to finish out with a couple more questions, and then you got to get to work, and I got to get to a chapel service. <laughs> um, but what are, what are some creative ways that you disciple in the busy? Because you've come up with some pretty creative ways to do that that I think a lot of us older pastors don't ever think about. Um, and and one of our biggest excuses, I'm just too busy. So give me some give me some creative uh, tips here on on in the busy you can still be discipling yeah absolutely well first of all it, it is a it is a wonderful tool 
of Christians to have technology in our hands. Correct. And the funny, the the humorous thing to me is that we we preach so vehemently against this handheld computer that we mm-hmm. ourselves use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I meet with pastors here locally, and it's it's the same as where I was before I moved. I'm amazed at how many times the same pastor who preaches against cellular technology is controlled by it. Right. I can't have an entire conversation without without checking his smartwatch and and him patting it with the palm of his hand to shut it off. But but the whole time I'm wondering how do I measure up against this text? Is, is this gonna, you know, yeah. is this is this interruption gonna so so in that we all use it. We it's mm-hmm. a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. We so we have to be really careful in our in our communication because it can become a vital tool that allows us to do discipling while we're on the go. Right. So right. For, for me, a text message. I sat in a Sunday school class one time where the whole lesson was on texting someone you're praying for them is not enough. You should be doing more. And mm-hmm. maybe that was the message the Holy Spirit gave him. Yeah. But for me, if you send, I'd love it. Y'all send me a text that says, I'm thinking about you and praying for you right now. Right. And I'll I'll be encouraged and thankful that you did that. And by the way, I'm going to send you a text back, aren't I, Pastor Stan? You are. And my text is going to be longer than that, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Or or a Marco Polo. (laughs) Or or a Marco Polo. And and so. With the funny voice. But I I would start with texting because texting is what everybody does. Texting, everybody loves and and so I use the Apostle Paul. He never said, I'm praying for you. So start with, hey, I thought of you and I'm praying for you. Talk to you later. Send. Yeah. Start there. Mm-hmm. But if you're already there, ramp it up. Today, I prayed for you that. Right. Find one of your favorite Pauline prayers in the mm-hmm. New Testament. Pray that over that person and not in rote memory form, but use yeah. it like you use the model prayer. Sure. You know, Take it section by section, pray the phrase, and then add some dialogue mm-hmm. from your own heart. And, and and that's just in your prayer. Now you can text them yeah. the passage that you just prayed for them. Yep. And and just just in that, that's a praying, discipline. Praying that you will know the height and the depth and the and the breadth of the love of God. Absolutely. So walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. All those great absolutely. Things. Yeah. And what I'm using right now Thanks is that down. he would call you worthy of your calling and give you the uh, the strength and power in your inner person to do all the good that is in your heart to do. I love that yeah. one. Too. Yeah, I've been doing that for a lot of people. So so with that, um, texting can be a great thing, uh, reaching out. Uh, but but please, please just here's a tip and a trick. Do not create a group text and say, I've been praying for you today that people the the relationship skill we need to do is one person gets a text just mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. not 30 people get informed oh right. i'm one of a group right recently somebody sent me an email that was blank on the two and then i was bcc'd in your email lets you know that this is a blank email bcc'd to a group of people mm-hmm. Stop that yeah Write an email just to them. In the email, include their name. Include something that lets them know that this is a relationship. Yeah. This is not a task list thing. Good. Uh, and then on top of that, yes, you you brought up Marco Polo. I, I had a I had a, a working situation where I was at a training. We we did a conference. I was working for at that time a secular company. 
I didn't, in my mind, I was not being aggressive or assertive. I was just being me. And when Mm -hmm. we got done to the glory of God, uh, we're, we're in the airport and this guy from Nebraska says to me, hey, I noticed this week, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I just looked at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why? I just would love it if you would disciple me. Well, actually, he said, if you will teach me how I can be the kind of Christian you are. And I'm thinking to myself, if I am the level you aspire to be, we really do have trouble uh, <laughs> in River City, right? right like right, we, right. we need an ER doc over here spiritually. We got to get him up to uh, to cracked vessel, empty pot. Uh, but it, but anyway. He lived in Nebraska. At that time, I lived, I think, 700, 800 miles away. Mm-hmm. And we started meeting via Zoom. Yeah. We would meet Zoom once a month because we were both busy and our schedules did not line up. And then we found this wonderful tool called Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. And I love, love, love Marco Polo. I love it because it's, it gives you the visual nonverbal indicators of facial expression, sure. uh, gestures, but but also it gives you the audio of tone of voice. And for some reason, I am great. God built me to be a good communicator in real time. But but when I text, people just get offended. I could I could text a message that was like, hey, pass the ketchup. And people be like, you are so rude to me. <laughs> right, right. So I found with Marco Polo, uh, if, if you get the subscription, which I don't get paid a commission on this, but if you get the subscription, we can listen to each other at faster speeds, which mm-hmm. also helps, especially because you're doing dialogue in real time. Right. It's not like you're reading from a script. So there's a lot of, uh, well... And you're trying to figure out answers to questions. Mm-hmm. There are messages that you can listen to and then respond to on your timeline. So it's very helpful in that relationship. While while COVID taught us that person to person is the best, mm-hmm. it also taught us that we can do relationships digitally. Exactly. Exactly. I, and I, and you, I, actually, I would, you actually will use some of your drive time because you have a 20 minute drive to work. So you'll use some of your drive time to leave a discipleship type message with some guy you're discipling through Marco Polo. Yes. And, and they'll tell you, I can fill 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I I try to make it worth their time. I try not to drone on. I try not to chase rabbits, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, but I give myself the same grace I give them because they chase rabbits. Right. Right. This isn't about efficiency. Yeah. We don't get paid extra for 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 getting done quick and getting to a new guy. Right. I, and then and then the the flip side of Marco Polo that I have used some uh not as extensively as you is is it is I'm I'm talking but nobody's watching me talk. It's not live like Zoom. So I'm leaving you a message, a video message and you're going to leave me one back. So sometimes right. sometimes there's no reply and then you realize you know, we're I'm not getting anywhere. Um, so it's not the same as an in-person or Zoom. Even Zoom has an advantage to that. That's right. But it is a good way to stay connected. And it's a it good is. way to, to invest minutes of a day into somebody's life that's a little more, a lot more personal than a text. Right. And valuable. And and again, you know, we maybe we end where we started, and that is what is discipleship? And it's a spiritual coaching. It's a spiritual mentoring that that takes a component of the battle of life 
and it exaggerates that component into an exercise or a drill. Like if I were if I were coaching in a team sport, I would run drills in practice all day long. So I'm going to exaggerate a component of the battle of life that's going to teach me in my mind and in my affection, in my heart, not just in my emotion. Mm-hmm. Affection has to do with what motivates me, what drives me, what I'll suffer and bleed over. Uh, that's why that's why back in the 80s, we used to call that our devotion time because it was designed to build devotion to God. It's our right. devotions. Right. And then and then also it's going to train me in my in my psychomotor, which is fancy way of just saying head, heart and hands. Right. Like this is going to mm-hmm. move it into my hands. I've got a guy that has been belly aching for months. And I love I love discipleship because you get you get to do a lots of belly aching and you got to hear a lots of belly aching. But you're working <laughs> right. together through that. And one of his things is I just don't make enough time to read the Bible. I know it's important. I know I should. And that's mm-hmm. like the number one thing I hear is I know I'm not reading the Bible enough. I know I'm not praying enough. These things are important. What do I do? Well, I just gave him a challenge yesterday. And this challenge in, in, in my mind is not huge, but I know it's huge in his because I remember when I did it the first time, I told him, I said, somewhere in the next two weeks, block out six hours, just six hours. And I don't want you driving, going somewhere. I don't want you walking. I want you I want you in a comfortable chair with a table in front of you. So if you want to take notes, you can, but six hours and you're going to read the book of Genesis chapter by chapter by chapter by chapter. And at the end of each chapter, you're going to ask yourself a simple question. What did I just read? What's in that chapter? And you're going to give yourself one line of a notebook sheet of paper on one line, kind of like a Twitter comment. It's it's limited. Right. Summarize that chapter. Yeah. Cain kills Abel. Lamech boasts. Mm-hmm. Chapter four. And then you work your way down. It may take you up to six hours. You may get done in four hours. The first time I did it because I wasn't good at reading for comprehension and I would not go to the next chapter until I finished this one. It took me over 15 hours on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I am telling you for the first time in my life, the book of Genesis made sense and the entire story because it's a narrative. And it, sure. I love Dr. Ham, but it's not about the creation story. That's right. the end. Right. That's the that's the preface to the forward to the note. Like like literally in my head was the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And I just mind blow time. Now, if you're godly, you'll read the book of Genesis. That's legalism. Yeah. Yeah. Discipleship says, I'm going to challenge you to read the book of Genesis all at one sitting. So so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take wood and we're going to create a form. And then we're going to pour concrete in it, but that wood doesn't stay. It just holds the concrete in place while it sets. So in this spiritual formation, we're going to come up with a discipline or a practice, which is you're going to read the whole book of Genesis in one sitting, because right now I'm trying to instill in him a passion and a zeal. And until he spends a significant amount of time in God's word, he's right. How how many times do you hear about husbands marrying their wives, but they haven't spent any time with them? Yeah. Yeah. As, as a horrible way to do relationship. Exactly. So, so as he reads that, my my prayer is that God will, and he always has, will stir within him a passion or a zeal for God's word. So it's a it's that counseling that takes a, a component, exaggerates it so that when he's in life's battle, he knows I've got to read my scripture today. Right. It's a temporary. Now he and I have an accountability thing, and we found out that one of the things that really hurts him mm-hmm. is YouTube from 6 p.m. till midnight. 
Yep. So if he doesn't read it and he's already given me the date he's going to read it on, and if he doesn't read it by that by that day, he has to take three days off of YouTube. He can't watch between the hours of six and midnight. That's good. And and I would ask him to monitor his YouTube time and say, for every hour you spend on YouTube, you need to spend 45 minutes in the scriptures. That's right. So that's right. Let's just let's just, let's just bounce right. those out because at some point you're going to find this is feeding your soul. This is not. Right. This is this is not for you. And, just and your soul is going to get very satisfied when you give up that which is, you know, alluring, but not feeding your soul. Your soul is going to get very satisfied with that. And it's funny Good. because the satisfaction and joy are, are what I tell people. This is why I do discipleship. Yep. Discipleship will help you find your purpose. And when you're working inside your purpose, you're going to feel that fulfillment. that got to be more satisfied. Yeah. You're longing for that. Yep. That's exactly right. So good. All right. We're going to finish out. It's been really good stuff. And I'm sure we'll come back around another time uh, within the next year. We'll do another one of these and give you some more pointers and tips and guidelines and, and all that good stuff. But I'd like you to give just a quick word of encouragement to pastors. Some of our, you know, statistics we've been going over uh, more than 50% of pastors in America are very discouraged. A lot of them want to quit. Um, a lot of pastors have quit this last year and these last few months, even, um, they're tired, they're beat up, they're discouraged uh, and defeated. Um, so let's give some hope to them and some encouragement to them in this discipleship and just in their in their calling. Yeah, absolutely. It, when when COVID hit, which is just dreadful to the whole culture, it was surprising to me uh, to find out that people were were really struggling with depression and frustration. And and I was looking around. I had just, I don't know if you remember, Pastor Stan, I had just broken my tailbone mm-hmm. about 16 mm-hmm. hours before the news cycle right. found out about COVID, which was is very convenient because I was already on the couch, right? Yeah. Like I knew the next two weeks were going to look like um, me healing on the couch. But at the same time, I recognized very quickly that my group, my the people that I was with, my ecclesia, uh, fellowship group at church, mm-hmm. Uh, that they were going to need that kind of hope. And I drove straight to Jesus' sermon on the kingdom of God and what the culture of his kingdom is going to look like. And there's there's a lot to be found in Matthew 6, 7, and uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There you go. Rather. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And at the end of 7, he gives this wonderful story. We sing songs about it as kids. I'm afraid that because we sing songs uh, as kids, that um that somehow that trivializes it in our mind but the the reality is the winds will blow the storm will rage and and they're going to beat up against the world view that you have built yeah if you're not building that world view on that on the rock you're going to be insecure you may not you may you may not feel insecure i know a lot of people who are building on the sand they feel great mm-hmm. right I'd rather be in I'd rather be secure than than be insecure and feel secure. That's right. And at the end, the, the, the key phrase is he says, and the one who built us on the rock was a, was the guy who listened to my words and did it, them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so as a pastor, which is uh I, <laughs> I was a pastor of the last church I was at, but not in title or in pay. I just shepherded people. Mm-hmm. I was the verb form of of to pastor. And I just reminded myself, I am not called to redeem anybody. I'm called mm-hmm. to share my faith. I am not called to 
I am not called to make a disciple that's going to to succeed in everything that he does. I am called to enter into the discipleship process, which is right. me holding holding the hand of Christ and grabbing somebody else and, and bringing those two hands together. Um, so, so in that, I would encourage uh, pastors, small church pastors, uh, big church pastors. Uh, man, it's just so hard when you're at the pastoral level. Find some guys who are hungry to grow, who are driven to grow and start investing in that relationship. Mm. And, and I would say start looking with uh, looking toward the guys that you normally overlook because they're already capable of feeding themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and really start working on training them to a level where, where you will empower them to feel like they can be verb form pastors and actually help you shepherd the ones you would normally go to first. Right. But but you're able to get them to completion so that they can help you in the effort. Mm. And, and in that process, a, as you're focusing on those, remember that that's success. Success is hearing these words and doing them. So my question is, are you spending time in the word of God? And are you, are you spending energy and in putting into practice the things that you're studying? And I haven't met any any pastors, unless I guess if you're a fraudulent, I, but I don't really spend time with fraudulent pastors. So <laughs> I have yet to meet a pastor who's not spending time in God's word. Now, that doesn't mean they're always feeling like, um, you know, I just don't feel like I'm spending enough time. Well, you're never going to feel that way because you have an enemy telling you you're you're a loser, right? <laughs> Like there are times I don't have time to spend in God's word. And I've literally taken passages that I've memorized and I ponder them. And you know what I'm doing in that moment? I'm spending time in God's word. Yeah. Meditating on the scriptures. There was one summer that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want was the focus of my time in God's word. And I was driving the entire time. I did. Mm, So good. So good. Well, brother, you have been a blessing on our podcast and we welcome you uh, to, to come down and visit us soon. And, uh, we got a Shepherd Summit, guys, coming up in March. Hey, if you March. can make the Shepherd Summit, you really should go. It's amazing. Yeah, the Shepherd sure. Summit is out of this world, worth whatever you do, whatever you got to do, but get yourself there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, back to you. When is it? Yeah, March 9, 10, and 11. Um, so you guys go ahead and get that on your calendar for 2023. Um, and it promises to be, I really believe it's going to be far better than it's ever been. We have a couple of great speakers coming in. Um, and we're going to do some some intense dialogue. Yet you're going to have three or four guys surrounding you that are seasoned pastors that are very passionate about your church thriving and you uh, thriving and surviving and all of that, actually enjoying your ministry. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with all you guys doing that. Um, and maybe Pastor Colin can sneak out himself and get down from Tennessee and be with us. But we look forward to to that. And guys, we appreciate all you do uh, for our ministry. Keep praying for 614. Love serving the local church. And if you have some churches that are struggling, uh, let them reach out to us. Um, We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you later. See you soon. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.